I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah. Wonder whatever happened to baby Jesus. He, he grew up. What? Wait. So you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he, he went to the cross. That's the same guy? So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and came back to life. And, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? Okay, I was really, oh, wow. Okay, I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this, here's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once a year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top. That's the idea. You can applaud that, yeah. You know, we're a few days away from Christmas, and every now and then, I mean, it, do, it is important to remind ourselves that, that when we celebrate the birth of Christ, that the baby Jesus was laid in a manger, that wasn't the end of the story. In fact, it's terribly important today. In fact, in a uh, series that we've entitled The Weary World Rejoices, we can rejoice about what Jesus came to do And that was make a way for holy God to be reconciled with sinful people like you and me. And if that's good news this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah. But before we get to too much more of the good news, I want to start with some bad news first. Because if we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, sometimes it's important to remind ourselves just how much of of a problem we have with sin. Because I think sometimes we can skip over it. And we don't appreciate what this is all about. I want to welcome everybody joining us online too, but I want to remind us, first of all, of some bad news before we focus on the good news. We're all filthy, rotten sinners who've offended God. We all are. Bible says so. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Romans 5.12. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Romans 3.10. Let's close in prayer. Merry Christmas. Okay, no. We're not stopping there. I got one more verse, by the way. You who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. I mean, I could have given you a number of other scriptures, too, that point out the fact that we are stuck in sin. And before we embrace the good news, it's important to remind ourselves of the bad news. Sometimes if we've been around church for a while, we forget all this. 
I think, well, I'm not so bad. I haven't killed anybody lately, okay, or anything like that. Uh, but the truth is, we need a Savior. I mean, we need a Savior. I mean, think about this. Think if you had to give an account. Think if you had to make right every careless thought, every careless word. Every time you were jealous. Every time you lost your temper and said things you shouldn't have said. Every time you were lustful, prideful, rude. Every time you were ungrateful to others and to God. Every time you wished ill towards somebody else and you thought about getting even with them, but you were too afraid to do it, so you were both revengeful and cowardly. I mean, think about every single thing that you should have done that you never did. You knew it was the right thing to do, but you were, didn't either have time or you got distracted, you just forgot about it. Think if you had to make all those things right, and that could keep going. I mean, it would be impossible. It would be a landslide. And we're buried underneath it, hopelessly. We can't get out. And we have offended God, our creator, who created us to be with him. It's happened to me on numerous occasions over 30 years of ministry. Um, people come in, they'll talk to me. They've either had a near-death experience in a car accident, or they've had a bad diagnosis, or something has gotten them thinking about their mortality. And they'll come in and they'll sit down and go, they'll schedule an appointment with me and they'll sit down and they will, and I'll say, how can I help you today? And they'll say, well, I want to talk with you because, you know, I've just become aware of the fact that I'm not going to live forever. And it's like, which is a good thing to be aware of that. But then they'll say something, something to this effect. And I just want to make sure I've done enough to go to heaven when I die. Done enough good things. And I just want to talk to you about that. And I go, well, good. Well, this is going to be a conversation that's probably going to go away you don't want because the first thing I'm going to tell you is I can assure you you haven't. <laughs> okay, You've missed by a mile. You're not anywhere close. And the first response is, you're kidding me. And I go, no, I'm not. And we read these verses. No one's righteous, not even one. No one's truly wise. No one's seeking God. And boy, if you go on with the rest of Romans 3 there, there's more verses our throats are like open graves. It's really bad. And then the next question is, well, is there any hope? Oh, yeah, there's tons of hope. Because the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came into the world to save us from sins that we could never save ourselves from, to rescue us from our predicament and to reconcile us with Almighty God. So before we get any further here this morning, I'd like you to turn to somebody next to you and say, bad news, you're a filthy, rotten sinner. Would you do that right now? Bad news, you're a filthy, rotten sinner. Okay, and now turn to him again and say, good news, Jesus loves filthy, rotten sinners. Would you do that? Jesus loves filthy, rotten sinners. Yeah, we're going to spend the rest of our time together talking about the fact that Jesus loves filthy, rotten sinners like you and me, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are a bunch of filthy, rotten sinners saved by grace. We are people here today to worship you. And Lord, we need to remind ourselves of this sometimes. That's what Christmas is all about. 
And so, God, today I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and you would fill our hearts with love and joy and peace. Father, you'd remind us all over again of the wonderful news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners like me. Like me. Oh, Father, I just pray that today you will fill our hearts. I pray that today you'll open our eyes and we'll rediscover the significance of Christmas all over again. I thank you we get to talk about how you came into the world every year. Bless our time this morning. Lord, may we talk about it way more than that. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Okay, point two on your outlines, if you have an outline with you, the good news is Jesus became one of us in order to reconcile us with God. To reconcile, to bring us back together again. If we're separated from God by our sins, well, the story of Jesus coming into the world is how God sent his son to bring us back together. That night, the night that Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. It will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I mean, the whole idea here was this, is that the angels in heaven announced this to some shepherds because this is the greatest thing ever. There's a way for us to be reconciled with God, for our sins to be dealt with, that landslide of all those things we listed. All of our sins can be forgiven completely because a Savior came into the world. And that's Jesus. Now, if you're not aware, you may not be aware of this, but outside of Bethlehem is where uh, shepherds kept flocks of sheep. Uh, the little lambs were raised there. These were the, it was common. There would have been herds near Bethlehem where they raised the lambs that were sacrificed at the temple in Jerusalem. They were sacrificed to atone for people's sins. Well, the sacrificial system, according to the sacrificial system that was set in place in the Old Testament, and when Jesus came into the world, he came as the Lamb of God. And it's very possible that the shepherds they appeared to were guarding a flock of sheep that were being raised just for sacrifices in the temple to atone for people's sins. And to those shepherds, the angels were appearing, hey, the permanent sacrifice is in the world. He's in the world now to atone for all sins forever, for everyone who will come to him. And when they announced this, the sky was filled with angels because they're going, this is the greatest news ever. Glory to God in the highest. God and sinners reconciled. We can bring them back together. This is God's heart. And so we can rejoice because God loves us and wants a relationship with us, even though we're filthy, rotten sinners. Even though that's who we are, God wants a relationship with us. 
I mean, this is one of the amazing things that Jesus communicated to people because it's been the belief of people, still is the belief of a lot of people today, that God really doesn't like us very much. He's just constantly disappointed with us. He just is waiting to get even with us for all the dumb things and wicked things and foolish things we've done. And it's not as hard at all. God doesn't desire in punishing his children. He desires in reconciling and having them come home. In fact, one day when Jesus was hanging out with a bunch of notorious sinners and was being criticized for that by some very religious people, he told this story. He said, there was a man that had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So this was a son saying, Dad, you love me, right? I mean, you will, right? Yes, son. Well, no offense, but I'm tired of living here, and I don't want to wait till you die to get my inheritance, so can you just give me my share of the estate now? And if that sounds rude and offensive and like a major rejection, it was. But his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons, and a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, about the time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Well, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I'm going to go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him, and he kissed him, and his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. And Jesus said, if you want to understand God's heart, God's heart isn't to go and punish people because they've wandered off. He's constantly calling them to come back. The reason he gives us his word is he wants us to understand the way we're supposed to live. He wants us to understand how to have a right relationship with him and how to have life that's abundant and meaningful. And he said, if you want to understand God's heart, it's, it's, he's constantly longing for his wayward children to come back. I mean, the people hearing that story, they would have been shocked by the whole thing because pigs were unclean to them. They were forbidden. You couldn't even touch a pig. It would defile you. And for somebody to actually be living with pigs and eating pig slop means you hit the bottom of the barrel. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he shared the story. He said, if you understand God's heart, he knows when people have made foolish choice after wicked decision, after rebellious action, and it's gotten them in all kinds of trouble, and God still is longing for them to come home. And the Christmas story reminds us of the great lengths that God went to in order to make that happen. He sacrificed his only son 
to make that possible. And that brings us to another statement that we can rejoice about here. Jesus came to take our sins upon himself so we could be made right with God. I mean, if there's this landslide of sins that we've committed, we can't even remember them all. How could we apologize for them, let alone, I mean, first, and then forget about even trying to make them all right. There's no way we can do it. Well, how is this going to happen? How can we ever be made right with God? Well, here's how. God came into our world, became one of us, and took our sins upon himself. Isaiah 53 describes this. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. The Lord laid on Jesus my sins. Because Jesus came into the world and lived in our world, just like us, he was tempted in every way we are, but he never sinned. In order to be a sacrifice for sin, he had to be a spotless lamb of God. So when he went to the cross, he was able to take all of the guilt, all of the shame, everything that was due me upon himself. He never sinned, but he became sin on my behalf. That's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to read that sentence again instead of us say the word me. We did this last week. I want to do it again here. Can we read that verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21, where it says us say me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for me so that in him I might become the righteousness of God. Those conversations we've talked about where people said, I hope I've done enough, when we actually read through these scriptures, they go, you mean Jesus died for all my sins? Yeah, all of them. Paid in full. All of them. And it's really fun because we'll have a conversation, we'll keep on talking, and then later on they'll go, wait, all of them. I mean, it'll just be this fresh revelation of, Jesus paid for all my sins in full. I can now stand in the presence of God because Jesus became covered with sin. There was an exchange. I became covered in righteousness. And when I stand before God, I don't have to worry that I'm unfit or I'm unclean when I walk in his presence. I've been made clean by Jesus. And that's why we can rejoice. See, I can rejoice about these things in 2020 or in any other year. There are people this Christmas, they're not going to be able to get together with family because of COVID. Or because maybe they're quarantined because somebody near them had COVID. Or maybe they're working double shifts because they're completely overwhelmed and people at their work can't come to work. I don't know. 
But the point is, this good news transcends any circumstance because Jesus made it possible to get right with God. Now, it's important to, in this note here that I have in your outline, in all other religions, sinful people perform good deeds and engage in religious activities in order to win or regain the favor of the God whom they've offended. In Christianity, however, holy God whom we offended came seeking us while we were still sinners and paid the penalty for our sins because we could never repay it. I mean, don't misunderstand this. The good news isn't, hey, he's finally told us the things we need to do in order to get right with him. The good news is we are so overwhelmingly covered up in sin, there's no way we can atone for it, but Jesus came to rescue us. I mean, Christianity is the story of the God who was offended, loving us so much that he came and paid the debt. I mean, I hope you heard in that story of the father and the son that the father was waiting for him every day. I mean, you get the image of a long driveway going to the dad's ranch. And every day the dad would stand out there on the driveway hoping he'd see his son, and one day he did. He saw the silhouette of his son just coming down the driveway, and he ran to him. That's the way God feels about you. That's the way God feels about me. That's the way God feels about people who are far from him. And he wants us reconciled. Every Christmas, I meet with people, and they're a big desire when I pray for them. is say, oh, can you just pray for reconciliation in my family? Two of my kids won't talk to each other, and it breaks my heart. Or maybe I, I can't get along. There's a, my wife can't get along with my mom, her mother-in-law. Or every time Aunt Edna shows up, it's like a bomb goes off. And so a person will walk into a family, and they go, I hate going to Christmas gatherings. I just dread Christmas dinner at my dad's house. Because once my uncle starts drinking, you know, he never stops. And then he says terrible things. And these are things that happen. And when I pray with people, we're always praying for reconciliation. Could this ever change? And when you understand the ache of a heart of a parent for two of their kids to be reconciled, when you understand the ache of someone who hasn't spoken to a child or spoken to their parents in five years for them to be reunited and the whole family coming together again, when you understand that kind of longing and multiply it times billions, then you would understand the longing of God's heart for lost sinners to come home. Because when the son finally came home, the son had rehearsed all this. Dad, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. Don't call me son. Look, I'll just be a hired hand. I'm just tired of eating pig slop. And the dad goes, what are you kidding? Go get him a ring. Get him a robe and get him some soap. Okay, man. Okay, but let's get him back in. Let's have a party. Jesus said the angels in heaven rejoice and dance when people repent. Because this is God's great heart of love. And at Christmas, we get to talk about how all this happened. And the angels were waiting from eternity past for all this to happen. They're going, this is amazing. Hmm. 
Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, 1 Timothy 1.15. That was written by the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Let me read it again. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. God saved you, same guy, Paul, Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Yesterday, um, a gentleman named Ronnie Bradford passed away yesterday morning. I went and met with his family. I had um, spoken with Ronnie myself a few months ago. He'd been battling cancer for a while now. And the prognosis a few months ago wasn't good. It looked like it wouldn't be that long. And Ronnie came and sat down with me, and we spent an hour, hour and a half together, and we talked about what heaven was like and, you know, would God take care of his family and what types of things he wanted to do with whatever time he had left. And we prayed together and we talked through these things because he wanted to make sure that he was ready to go when his time came. Ronnie was an usher at our 8 o'clock worship services, but he was more than that. Uh, Alcohol had controlled and ruined a big part of his life, but about 11 or 12 years ago, um, he surrendered all that to the Lord, and God changed him. I mean, changed him in amazing ways. To the place where he wanted to help others escape alcoholism. He'd go out to Elmore County to the jail out there on Monday mornings. And there were people being released from a, a drunk tank. They'd had to, been arrested for something over the weekend. And when they'd be released there, he'd be there in the morning. He'd meet with them and say, can I talk to you? You don't have to live this way. There's hope. Ronnie was involved with AA, and he would tell people about AA, and he'd tell them about Jesus. He'd go out there every week. And God used even the most painful thing in Ronnie's life as a tool for good to help other people come to Jesus. And so, man, when I posted on Facebook about Ronnie, oh my goodness. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see a link there. You'll see all kinds of kind things written about this man. Because Jesus changed him. Tuesday afternoon, we're going to do a funeral for him. And Ronnie wanted to make sure I proclaimed this, that he is alive and well in heaven. He's in a brand new body that'll never die again. He's safe in the presence of Jesus where there's no more tears and no more pain, no more sorrow. No one will ever die again. And he said, John, make sure you tell him this, that Ronnie Bradford's in heaven, not because of all the good things he did for Jesus, but because of all the good things Jesus did for Ronnie. And so I'm, well, you can come Tuesday and hear it again, but you've already heard it. Man, isn't that a wonderful truth? That's true for all who come to Jesus. For all who receive him and acknowledge, hey, I'm buried in a landslide of sin. I can't get out of this. This isn't about me doing enough to earn my way to heaven. This is about God coming to seek me while I'm still a sinner. This is about God looking for me, making the way possible by sacrificing his own son, taking all my sins upon himself, and waiting for me to come back. This is why at Christmas time, it's the perfect time to talk about this too, because if there's someone in your family and someone in your circle of friends, someone you work with who is far from God, 
man, this is the time. In fact, that's the next thing we can rejoice about. Rejoice, we now get to help others be reconciled with God. That was one of the things that Ronnie was so grateful for. He knew all that God had done for him and he could use his life to help others. God's given us this task of reconciling people to him. Paul again, 2 Corinthians 5.18, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them because they were paid in full. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So now we're Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we, pre- when we plead. Come back to God. I mean, come back. God loves you. But you don't know what, how much I've messed up my life. God does and loves you anyway. Come home. Come to Jesus. That's why he came at Christmas. Luke 2.15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds that they had appeared to, they said to each other, well, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord's told us about. So they hurried to the village, and that's where they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel said. And after seeing him, the shepherds, listen to this, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. I mean, that's what God wants us to do. I mean, he's told us so much about this child. The child grew up, died on the cross, same Jesus, rose from the dead, same Jesus, ascended into heaven, is preparing a place for us in heaven right now, same Jesus, coming back one day soon to take us home, same Jesus. Oh, this is good news. 